So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Gin Church Midweek Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name is John. I'm the engagement pastor here. And as always, uh, if you're watching online with us, whether you're on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, I want to encourage you to interact with us. If you're watching live or if you're even watching in the replay, ask us questions. Um, ask for clarification on concepts, illustrations, ideas we throw out there. Uh, we'd love to either address those live or even come back to it uh, later in the week, uh, whether we need to address it individually, it's a side conversation, or even if it's something we bring up in the next week's episode. Uh, we always look forward to uh, kind of feedback in which we get from you guys. So today joining me is Kyle Davies. Uh, our lead pastor who uh, led us in our teaching this week of Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4. And we actually started a new teaching series called Embodied, right Kyle? We did. We did. Like, it's so exciting. It's like we we, we started with known and it was like, okay, this this is going to go for a while. And then and then we we broke it up a little bit and then we got to substance and now we are to Embodied. Yeah. So we, we like these one word sermon series titles. Maybe at some point we'll add a second word. But right now, and there is good news. So I don't know what you're saying about one word. Oh, okay. Okay. I stand corrected. I was wrong. I, I completely. Your Colossians series has been. So I'll, I'll give you that. You know, I'll let you win that battle. But. No, it was, it was cool because in this weekend, um, I, you had this central idea and concept of the resurrection. And like, let's be real, that's, that was a big part of what we were talking about this weekend, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, how we participate and partake in that resurrection and how that shapes our everyday lives. So um, Kyle, with this idea, uh, that's often heavily discussed in our Christian world. Like, let's be real, like, the resurrection, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith, of our church, of a lot of what we talk about in our Christian world. But for people who are probably non-Christians or maybe even a new Christian or even some people who've been going to church for a while, this can be a tough idea to grasp. So Kyle, like, um, what do you think are some struggles or barriers for people when it comes to understanding the resurrection? Well, I think, I think we almost need to, to recognize the almost absurd claim that is the resurrection. Like what we are saying is that someone died and came back to life. We're not saying like someone like flatlined and then they had the shock panels and like revived them. Like that's like, that's not what we're saying. Like we are saying that someone was dead, was put in the ground and then, th or in this case, in Jesus' case, the tomb, and three days later, walks out fully, you know, fully mobile, like is breathing, interacting with people. And so I think what, what's tough is when you, when you look at it on, on face value, is death is supposed to be final. I think is kind of what we say. We, we fear death. We, in a lot of cases, we're like, okay, death is the end and we want to prolong life and avoid death at all costs. We mitigate risk. We, we do all kinds of things to avoid death and in yeah. the end. And so when we talk about resurrection, we're saying 
hey, death is not the end. Someone actually defeated death. And that is the foundation of the Christian faith that our religious leader, Jesus, did not stay dead. He came back to life, unlike any other religious leader or religious system in the world. I, I love to throw that in there just because I think that's what sets Christianity apart. Yeah. And a large part of what we want to do with this midweek podcast is we want to make sure that the believer is equipped to share their faith. And if someone is skeptical or hesitant or reluctant about following Jesus in any way, we want to provide a level of conversation mm. through journey that we've gone on personally and what that means and what we've discovered as we are following Jesus and give them a space to ask questions and explore basically tough topics and so that's where john i know you say every week at the beginning hey ask us questions yeah. let me say this again there's no question that's too dumb in terms of like as we discuss some biblical concepts yeah it is it is good to ask us these these questions yeah. so I, I always think it's a like it's a good thing to remind like we don't just do this to kind of pass along information but this is really it's a formation building thing that we want to, we want to go on this journey with people and help them in understanding, not just the understanding of the head knowledge, but even being able to reciprocate it and to pass it along and be able to share it. I remember reading some um, articles on different generations and it was fascinating reading something about the millennial generation and some of the, what we call D Christians or um, those who have left the faith or the church and some of the reasoning behind that, it, it always strikes me every time. And I remember that um, in reading that 61% of the millennials who left the church said that the church can be confusing, which, okay, interesting. 72% said that the church, uh, what the church taught and said had nothing, uh, had no reality on their everyday life. Like it didn't like, they basically saw what they were teaching as fluff or this um, moralistic thing of like, oh, feel good, do good kind of thing, but there wasn't any substance to it. And this one struck me the most. 20 hey, that was a good word right there. I know, right? Oh, it's like I used our last series. <laughs> but the, th the one that struck me the most was it said 20% of the millennials that left the church said that they didn't feel like God was the main event, the main mm -hmm. topic of discussion. It was more focused on yourself and the other practices uh, going on. And man, I think that's just fascinating, but it's also makes a shift. Um, some of the way in which we talk about things and do things and really why we emphasize stuff like this of conversations of, uh, yeah, let's, let's dig deep into this, get to the meat of what's going on here, but also make it simple and reproducible so you can take it in your everyday life. Yeah. So let's, let's get to some of that simple and reproducible the topic of the week was really the resurrection and how the resurrection changes everything about your everyday life and one of the disconnects is that we don't always feel the resurrection in everyday life we don't always think about the resurrection in everyday life sometimes we exist we exist in spaces where we just simply we believe and kind of how it even started, we're like, well, sometimes that's just taken as face value. And that's why I wanted to make sure I, I address the, or even, even call it a level of absurdity because 
what the Christian faith is, is it's saying someone was dead and then came back to life. And that changes then how you live every, every single day. Mm. And what's so powerful about that is what we're saying is when a believer places faith in Jesus, they are united with Jesus. So then we get to live basically because he lives. And so it changes our perspective on death and it changes our perspective on what we do each and every day as our feet hit the floor and, and go about our day. And so we're going to get to, and I know some of the practical aspects of, of that later, but I think we need to look at the reality of the resurrection. And so John, have, have, have you, let me, I want to ask you, have you ever had a conversation with someone who had questions about the resurrection or even heard of, I guess you kind of deconversion stories, which doubted the reality of the resurrection. Cause we're again we're claiming an event that was reality. You know, it, it happened 2000 years ago. So there can yeah. be a level of hes- hesitancy of accepting that. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of stories. I, I, that first come to mind. I remember I was in youth group one time. Uh, I think I was a junior or senior and we had this uh, guy who was in eighth grade, just moved up to freshman year. And we were chatting one day and this is a kid who grew up in our church and everything and we were having a conversation one day and we were talking about like the resurrection and everything and he literally had one of these light bulb moments where he goes hold on hold on hold on so wait like this jesus like physically actually rose from the grave and we looked at him and we said yeah and he goes I just thought that was a thing we said, like, he just, I mm-hmm. thought that was just like an illustration we threw out there. And we're like, no, like, this is like a concrete thing that we're talking about here. And it was in one of those moments where I was like, man, even someone who's been around church their entire life has been fostering, grown up here, hadn't had that connection of, no, this is a physical thing, concrete thing that happened in history. And I would even talk to one of my favorite uh, things was I had a buddy um, growing up that was atheist and we would always have conversations and it was some of the best, uh, most healthy conversations I've had. I'm mm. just, I'm going, man, like I, I, I don't understand why you necessarily believe this or how you reconcile this. And even some of his things are like, dude, like you actually believe like someone like came back from the dead and like he conquered death. Like, yes. And like having some of those, a lot of it was the, practical and physical like evidences that they struggled with of like man like where like why is he not physically like walking like how do we see something like this again and I think one of the things I always come back to that I think adds to some of the barriers and the disconnects and maybe even can just distort our image of the um uh the resurrection is how the Christian faith has affected and shaped our world and culture that we even see movies, books, TV Mm. shows using this resurrection illustration Mm. in a lot of their stories. So I always think of like Harry Potter at the end, Harry like dies and then has this little scene with, um, oh my gosh, Dumbledore in this train station. And then he comes back to, comes back to life. Or I think of like Pirates of the Caribbean Johnny Depp dies and then they go sail to the other world and bring them back and like how that I mean can you imagine how confusing 
like, especially for like a new Christian or someone who doesn't understand the Christian faith, how those illustrations are like, hey, this guy came back from the dead. And then they hear a Christian believer is like, hey, we believe in a guy that came back from the dead. And they're like, man, you, you believe in like that. Well, like to your point, like th- those, those are movies. Like yeah. they're, they're, fan- they're supposed to be fantasy. They're supposed to work on the imagination. They're supposed yeah. to take us to a place that we wish was real, but mm-hmm. we know isn't. Yeah. But yet the Christian faith claims the very things, or I should say similar things yeah. that they're claiming of, of saying, actually, that concept is not fantasy. Yeah. That, 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 that myth, and we, we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is what the, one of the challenges C.S. Lewis had is he's like, I'm going to lose that imagination. I'm going to lose that, that, that beautiful story if I start to actually look at Christianity and what he eventually comes to is actually the reason why those stories are so appealing is because that principle is both found in nature and it's, it's the Christ story. It's, yeah. it's the story that satisfies our souls. And so that's where the resurrection truly works on us is because it's the story that we long to be true. The challenge is to help our experience catch up to reality is to actually live as it's true and not just as it's some like yes. fantasy or fairy tale disconnected from every day. And go back to your go back to some of your statistics. We've got to make sure that as we talk about the resurrection, again, as pastors in a local church in a in a concrete setting that we are providing some evidences Mm. and then some tangible ways that, that the resurrection does impact our everyday life. And every week we could probably talk about that, but I know because of what Paul talks about here in Colossians three, it's especially important for us to, to deal with that. Yeah. You've, you've already, we've talked through some of these evidences you've brought up um, the concept of the women being at the tomb and them being the first people to like point to this as like, Hey, like, Hey, this guy is risen from the grave. The grave is empty. Like that's was a huge moment. And we talked about like a woman's credibility during that time. Uh, we've even talked about like Jesus death and history and stuff. Like how, what other evidences like rack through your mind when you go into a conversation like this? So there's a couple different arguments that I go to. The, the first one, as we've already mentioned is the women. The second is going to the appearances after the fact, because this coming up with a level of articulating appearances after someone who died was not something, the resurrection was not in that first century worldview. And so what we have to, to really realize and, and look at then is, okay, so what was some of that first century worldview where where did people get the concept of resurrection was that an actual concept um and here let me just simplify this real quick one of the best resources that i have found is nt writes the resurrection of the son of god there's simpler books so mark clark's the problem of god lee strubble's the case for christ those are both books worth getting your hands on and reading if you want like a a primer for the resurrection. 
if you want something a little bit more robust with a little more art, just articulation, N.T. Wright's Resurrection of the Son of God. The second one I would point to is Reason, Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig. That one's more of an apologetic book, and so it'll look at some, some disagreements. But, but what you see in N.T. Wright's book is he says that early Christians believed in Jesus' physical bodily resurrection. And then he works through the rest of this argument. He says the best explanation of that belief is the hypothesis of the disciples' discovery of Jesus' empty tomb and their experience of post-mortem appearances of Jesus. The hypothesis of the disciples' discovery of Jesus' empty tomb and their experience of post-mortem appearances of Jesus has the explanatory power to account for that belief. Rival hypotheses, and this is where he gets into some of the critiques of this, such as spontaneous generation within a Jewish concept, dreams about Jesus, cognitive dissonance, or the fresh experience of grace flowing following Jesus' death, lack the explanatory power to account for that belief. The best explanation for the facts of Jesus' empty tomb and postmortem experiences is the hypothesis that Jesus rose from the dead. So what I want to point to is one person in particular and their experience and interaction within history who we know existed and his interaction with Jesus. And that's actually Jesus' half-brother, James. If you go to 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul writes to the church in Corinth, Paul actually lays out a pretty robust argument for why the, why the resurrection matters for everyday life. And so if, if you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 15, and it's a great section to look at why the resurrection matters for everyday life. We're going to come back to that here in a moment. Yeah. But one of the things is he says, is he says that he appeared to Cephas, he appeared to 12, he uh, uh, appeared to over 500 brothers at one time, he appeared to Others, he, and then it says in verse 7 of 15, he says, then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. I think Jesus' appearance to James and this claim is one of the most amazing and compelling of all. So it's backstory on James. James is the younger half-brother of Jesus. What's amazing is through all the scriptures, the gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, James nor any of Jesus' other younger siblings believed in Jesus during his lifetime. In fact, one of the accounts that the gospel writers talk about is James like wanting to drag Jesus out of a house and basically saying, dude, you are crazy. Quit claiming to be the son of God. They didn't believe he was a Messiah. They didn't believe he was a prophet. They didn't believe he is anybody special because they grew up with them and they're like, dude, you are supposed to be normal. And so this is like, by the criterion of embarrassment, this is doubtless a historical facet of Jesus' life and ministry. Yeah. Like that, that's something that if that wasn't like you want, if that wasn't true, you wouldn't say that about, about Jesus. So you don't really get a, a glimpse about James until after the resurrection, till he shows up in Jerusalem in Acts 1, and then not until James. And what you see is James being a pillar in the church. Something happened to James from going, becoming a disbeliever in who Jesus said he was to becoming a believer in Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, Savior 
of the world. And actually, you see James becoming kind of like this bishop figure. He actually writes one of the books in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just found it interesting. And, and maybe, John, I'll almost throw this to you and say, is there a way that someone can explain James, Jesus' brother, from go, disbelieving Jesus to then being such a strong believer in who he was other than his resurrection dude i mean even like as you're processing through that i'm always remembering back to um i always remember back to the apostles and the disciples of his of jesus during that time and immediately like right as jesus is going to the cross like you see them and they are in the midst of struggle and in pain like you see peter uh, denies jesus three times like you see his disciples and wondering like, what's next? Like, where are we going to go? Our the guy we've been following for three years, who we thought was the Messiah is gone. And then three days later, they have their encounter with Jesus. And then they go on to have incredible ministries that span like countries wide. And like, even you see like almost all of them, if I remember, I think it's all about one of them go on to be, they go on to be murdered like for their faith, like they are going around sharing who Jesus is and they all almost get, basically almost all of them get crucified in of themselves for sharing who Jesus is. And they, like no one just takes this claim of a guy, uh, takes a story that is fake to, to the extreme in which they'd be willing to die, especially a group of people yeah. that would take it that far, give up the things of their life to do that and to share that. So uh, you even see the guy like Paul, whose life gets completely shifted when he encounters the resurrected Jesus. Like, I mean, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about. So here's how that translates to the other day is we are so addicted to comfort. We are so addicted to control. The idea of something outside of us profoundly shaping our life so much so that we would articulate that same thing all the way to, to death to be, to, be, to be killed for it. Yeah, it, that'll even that piece almost seems too good to be too good to be true because it's like because we are addicted to comfort. And, and what you see is with these disciples, with these apostles, the only way that they would have so radically changed their worldview. I mean, you got to think everything they believe completely altered yeah. and was then filtered through Jesus and then to make this claim so much to the point of like, yeah, to, to, to death and to take that message far, the only plausible explanation for that is a actual resurrection of Jesus. And so just to, I think sum up some of some of that, some of those points is if if you encounter someone who says the the historicity of the resurrection can't be true point to the women being the first witnesses, point to all of the apostles being willing to die for their, being, being willing to, to die on, on that message. It's not something they would have made, made up. And I, again, I think the apostle Paul going from someone who is killing Christians to become one, I think those are all very uh, good claims to say the only way this would have been true is if is if it was actually true like they, they wouldn't have they couldn't have conceptualized that at that time there was no belief pervasive enough 
in the worldview at that time to lead them to die uh, on, on behalf of that message. And I even think it's tough for us necessarily like in our U.S. culture to understand the level of persecution that they go through. Like, I mean, there's uh, other Christian missionaries who are in um, Middle East culture, or even Chinese culture, in which there is this level of uh, physical persecution, even unto death, in which we see. But for us, like none of us have experienced that level. And so to even understand uh, holding on to a claim so hard that you'd be willing to give your life. I don't think any of us have really ever encountered um, that kind of level of persecution in our own life. And so I understand the comfort and the, even the barrier there of being able to understand what that would be like and why someone would be so driven to that. Um, mostly because none of us really have to encounter something like that in our own life, you know? Yeah. So what that leads us to is in our everyday life, that means we have to be driven by this resurrection yeah. life. We have to be directed by resurrected living, which means that, that we don't see death as the end. We see death as almost a doorway. Hmm. Um, and that's a way which we can frame it up. So we don't have to have this level of fear. So that's, that's one way that it, that it transitions to everyday life is we don't have to, to fear because when we're united with Christ, we will also be then united with his resurrection. Yeah. So let me, let me kind of ask this second question. We've talked a lot about the validity, the evidence, and kind of the truth behind the resurrection. But, but kind of setting aside that and even moving to how does, how does the resurrection affect who we are? Like what, what is our level of interaction with it? Uh, in our Texas past weekend, uh, Paul made a couple claims that uh, our life is hidden with Christ. It is Christ who is in, uh, who is our life, and we appear with Him in glory. Like, how, how does the resurrection affect us? And like, how are we brought into this new life? Like, what does it change within us? So we don't we don't see our life as our own. Is 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 the way that I would I would frame it up in terms of that term of being hidden with Christ. Our life is not our own. Uh, it is it is united with Christ through faith, yeah. And again, also what you see in in First Corinthians fifteen is that what Paul what what he is claiming by that is is it allows us to take every moment and almost live by the moment. We don't have to make the 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 most of this of this life in terms of, I mean. I, it, the saying's kind of outdated now, yeah. but like it was very popular. Is like you would do certain things. It's kind of like YOLO. It's yeah. like that, that that used to be around a lot. Is it's like listen, you only live once, so make the most of it. Maximize every experience. Yeah. Pursue pleasure. You know, like what in that pursuit? Who actually cares the wake that you leave by your choices? Because YOLO. So it's yeah. chase experiences, chase moments, chase uh, pleasure. And momentary yeah, pleasure and and it's like you know what you can almost say you know who cares i'm do i'm doing me you do you yeah and, and so again when that rises to the top what that actually does is it is it pollutes relationships it, it produces a level of brokenness that then will will chase you throughout the rest of of your life and what the resurrection does what a pursuit of Jesus and being united with him does 
It means that we won't only live once, we will actually live twice. We will be resurrected fully with Jesus. Spiritually, we're resurrected uh, at our baptism, but we will be we will have a new body that's incorruptible, that won't decay, that, that gives us this hope that actually, man, some of those places that you want to visit maybe actually will be there in eternity and you will have forever to enjoy some of those places. So I, I like to think of it in this way. And if you have your, your, your destination vacation location, like, some people feel like they have to get to it right now. Like in this, what we're claiming is like, actually you can be present with the people right around you. If you don't have the most money, if, if you don't have the, the wealth available to you to get to that location, yeah. that's okay. Like, because in eternity, when God recreates the earth, mm-hmm. you might be able to make it to, to like Tahiti. Like you might be able to make it to, you know, like Africa or something like, I, like, I don't know what your destination location, you might be able to make it to the Mediterranean. Like, like you might be able to make it to, to some of these locations because as the, as the world is recreated and made new, we will have forever to be amongst people, to be with God and actually exist in, exist in a, in a perfect earth. So we don't have to feel like, man, like, life stinks because I'm never going to be able to make it to uh, this point. The second side of that things is the practical element of it affects how we treat um, our body and it affects how we treat, how we treat others. Um, So what we can do with, with that is it basically, and again, I'm I'm going to keep pointing to first Corinthians 15 because Paul lays it out. Yeah. I think just really, really clear there about if Christ is not raised, then we don't have the hope of of being raised. And he says, actually in verse 17 and verse 15, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. So if Christ has not been raised, then we should. Like, why should we be moral? Frankly, why should we be moral, ethical people? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if Christ has not been raised, like, why? Like, why shouldn't you cheat in business? Like, why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you put pleasure at the at the height? Practically, yeah. I I think research bears out in in some very ways. I mean, other than to fit in with society. Yeah. R- really, really, the claim is actually it changes the morals that we hold. It changes the ethics that we adhere to if we yeah. believe that Christ has been raised. Mm. Yeah, it really takes us from, I kind of like how you framed it up. It takes us from the self centered to the other centered. Uh, mm-hmm. You begin to embody um, almost the life in which Jesus laid out for us. I love. A little bit later in that first Corinthians, I think it's in 1521, where it says, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That we see that through Adam and Eve, we have this broken distortion image of who God is in us mankind. Like sin has entered the world and it's plagued, it has distorted us. And yet we are able to be remade, restored, 
renewed through participating in the resurrection of Jesus, which we do through baptism, where we die to self and are made new in his image, that by man came death, but also by man, when Jesus became fully man, came here and died for us, that by man, we also have new life. Yeah. And it's, go ahead. Now, I just, the whole point of the resurrection is that heaven isn't waiting up there yeah. for when we die, but the fact that heaven's aim is to come here and 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 it's to come to earth and so when we live resurrected we get to participate in making making the earth new in in a ways yeah it it, it's it demonstrates the gospel's concern like this this claim that jesus is king for human beings like embodied which means the resurrection actually drives us to care about people physically Um, and so rather than think of our ultimate state as kind of some, um, ethereal, like spirit, um, or ethereal, ethereal, (laughs) I butcher, like ethereal spirit, like disconnected, like without any connection to to bodies, it's like, no, actually it, it, it directs us to a level of height and importance to, yeah, it provides value to the work. We're going to get that to, to, to later in Colossians how that provides some value to the work. And that, that's where Paul's building to. He's saying, your sins have been taken care of so you can be reunited with God. And because you've been raised with God, then you should, yeah. you should live and walk as Jesus walked, yeah. which then bears out, which means we have a level of morals and a level of ethics that are like Jesus. And thus we need to see that manifested in our world. And so our reasoning is less about preservation of self and more about uh, like neighbor love. It, it's more about care. And so I, even even saying that, you're like, okay, those are those are things I could I could believe in divorced from the resurrection. But when when we understand how the resurrection connects to that, what we will begin to see is at actually the, the story of Jesus allows us to persevere and motivates us to persevere past a point of uncomfortableness, past a point of awkwardness. And so another aspect of that is how, how we see, how we see people, how, how we, how we interact with them and not to, again, not to tip the hand too much, but this concept of being made in the image of God, we may be looking at that next week. So so if you're watching this now, come back next week where we're going to, we're going to talk about that uh, some more in the coming weeks, because at the end of the day, Muslims don't believe that Jesus is alive. Jews don't believe Jesus is alive. Even Jehovah's witnesses don't believe Jesus is alive. Christians believe Jesus is alive. Therefore we should act like he's alive. And not dead. Now, as we kind of like, kind of hit like a conclusion here, kind of begin to wrap up, like, if you had to almost put like a takeaway or application, like what is your one hope that people take out of this of how the resurrection actually like integrates into our everyday life? Like what is almost a practical, like concrete thing that people can begin to almost live out the resurrection every day? Yeah, so the reason why you make the arguments that the resurrection is, is, is history is so 
that in your everyday life, you will be able to wake up with a hope that you can live that day and not worry about tomorrow. That actually you can live that day to, to the fullest in the sense of having a peace and a joy. And so what I would want people to walk away from, from this on, or like, I guess, I guess with, is probably a way to say this in, in terms of, of resurrection. John, you're really forcing me to be succinct here. I I, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I want to sum this up um, well, because there's a lot of implications and we've, we've already talked about, about a lot of them. what I would want us to do to live the resurrected life is to care for people as if they don't know that there's life after death. Mm. I think sometimes we assume people have the same hope in the same frame of reference. We can be patient with people and we can, we can demonstrate a love towards people that may go beyond the practical, that may go beyond some of the things that we would even say are, are comfortable that we're comfortable with. It, it pushes us past the uncomfortable, pushes us past the awkwardness. We've, we've got we've to gotta display a hope that is, that is eternal. And the way it manifests itself is in our conversation and our action. We can give each other grace. We don't have to, to if, if the wrong political leader gets elected, it's not the end of the world. If, yeah. if, if something doesn't happen the way we wanted it to, we can grieve, but we can grieve with, with, with someone who has a hope that knows one day all things will uh, be, be made new yeah and so we have to continually encounter jesus so that other as others encounter us they will see a transcendent hope that's present and it'll actually be a disruptive hope so it'll push us it'll push us past the practical and and I, i think that's where that's really where people get to in their everyday life is like so they go so so what's practical like what's realistic at the end of the day, this and a resurrected living says, I don't have to, I don't have to frame it up that way. Yeah. I, I don't have to be bound by that. Actually, I can take another path and seek something beyond the, the, the practical. And, and also it, it gives meaning to the mundane hmm. resurrected living gives meaning to the mundane. So some of those repeated tasks, that you may feel like you have to be the hero. Listen, not everyone's going to be Harry Potter, Ryan, Ron, or Hermione. Not everyone's going to be 
uh, you know, Superman or Batman. Like not everyone's going to be, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow. Like, 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 like that's not, that's not us. Like we, we can actually be a support role. We can, we can have, we can find meaning in the mundane because of the impact that we make. And so wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever your background is, where God has placed you, there's meaning and there's value right there in that. So live, live, live resurrected, live with eternal life as if that eternal life starts now. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the midweek podcast. If you have more questions or you just want to have a conversation about uh, anything we've talked about today, I'd encourage you to go to our website, mygenerations.church, and just send us a message, and someone from our team will get back to you, and be sure to just keep checking out our weekly uh, Sunday teachings. You know what we're kind of talking about, uh, and if you want to take this information a little bit kind of in a different way from more of the knowledge, understanding, to some of the uh, more kind of practical conversation of your everyday faith, I encourage you hop on over to one of our community groups where you can have conversation with other people about how this actually looks in our everyday life with other believers who are doing that as well. And if you haven't already, go ahead and give us a like, subscribe, and share on these videos so that we can continue to expand our reach. Thanks for joining us today. Have a fantastic week.